Here we are. This is Real World Radio on air. Hunger Crisis, UN Committee on World Food Security at a Crossroads. Will this week's negotiations bring more of the same neoliberal proposals or lead to structural changes that put people at the center? Starting on Monday, October the 10th through to Thursday, the United Nations Committee on World Food Security will hold its 50th session in Rome, Italy. This year it faces the challenge of the third massive hunger crisis to hit the world in the past 15 years. But will it be able to put in motion the structural changes needed to solve this human crisis? So far, the implementation of real solutions to the food crisis is only a promise. There is an ongoing perpetual crisis of hunger. Almost every year, over 2 billion people are moderately or severely food insecure. At the moment, we have almost 3 billion people who cannot afford a really healthy diet, said Kirdena Chandrasekharan, co-coordinator of the Food Sovereignty Program at Friends of the Earth International. She is present in Rome. Real World Radio is interviewing today Kirtana Chandrasekharan. She's one of the co-coordinators of the Food Sovereignty Program of Friends of the Earth International. Kirtana, welcome to our space. Nice to be speaking with you. Thank you. Very good to be here. Kirtana, you are speaking with us uh, from Rome, where the Committee on World Food Security are meeting. And the first thing that I would like to ask you, what is this meeting about, please? Yeah, so we're here in Rome, where is the 50th plenary meeting of the Committee on World Food Security, which is a body constituted by the UN. And it is the foremost intergovernmental space which is dedicated to discussing global issues of food security and nutrition, and most importantly, is also mandated to deliver the progressive realization of the right to food. So it meets almost every year. There has not been a face-to-face -face meeting, in fact, since the pandemic. So for us, this is quite an important meeting for the governments who participate here, especially in the context that we are facing now another huge food crisis. So there is a crucial questions on what the Committee on World Food Security is going to do, what role they will play to coordinate global policy responses to this massive food crisis that's being faced, you know, all over the globe that is very much in the news. And our feeling is that this is the space that needs to do it. There have been several other attempts now, since, especially since the invasion of Ukraine by Russia, to address the crisis. There's the UN Secretary General's Crisis Group on Food, Fuel and Finance. And there's the World Bank Global Alliance for Food Security. And various other, you know, the international finance institutions have also launched their version of what needs to be done. But we can see that all these, all the different existing crisis response groups are very much in the line of the neoliberal corporate agenda, which is just talking about how to extend the role of global markets, how to provide conditional loans, financing. They're not talking at all about any of the structural solutions that are really needed to deal with the food crisis and are certainly not talking about what really needs to happen to implement the right to food. Okay, Kirtana, uh, what will be your role these days in Rome? I mean, what are you doing there specifically? In Rome, Friends of the Earth International participates within the civil society and indigenous people's mechanism, which is the largest autonomous international space of civil society organizations. 
and indigenous peoples organizations which are working to eradicate food insecurity and malnutrition but also realize the right to food and we work very much within the framework of the food sovereignty paradigm there are several hundred organizations that are a part of this many many global social movements that we work with that represent you know hundreds of millions of small scale food producers from across the globe so our role here will be mainly in asking demanding from governments assembled here that they that they take action to address the food crisis and it's on the back of a popular consultation that we have been conducting over the last few months which is a follow up to another grassroots consultation that we did during the covid food crisis when it was already evident that the pandemic was you know really unveiling and aggravating really existing deep structural vulnerabilities and inequalities that are already embedded in the industrial market led food system and now we have another food crisis which is doing the same so to update our demands and responses we had this popular consultation which was answered by over 63 countries across the globe from grassroots urban food insecure from consumers from small scale food producers from women from youth and we're really bringing the messages of that to the CFS we're also very much supporting colleagues and comrades who are calling on the CFS to put in place really strong guidelines on gender equality and women's and girls empowerment in the context of food security and nutrition which is an ongoing process for the last several years in the CFS and it has ended in a very unsatisfactory way and we are demanding that there is more discussion really to embed language on gender transformative approaches intersectionality sexual and reproductive health rights sexual and gender based violence gender diversity so we will be supporting our colleagues who are demanding these in the CFS as well okay according to fall figures between 702 and 828 million people were affected by hunger in 2021 that's one in every 10 people the food crisis has also been in the headlines since the russian invasion of ukraine which led to huge rises in food prices and energy costs but was the food crisis not already a huge problem before then indeed so this is the third food crisis in 15 years the third major food crisis classified as a food crisis in the last 15 years already in 2008 the reform of the world committee on food security was prompted by the massive food crisis 2008 2009 which led to worldwide riots and there was a promise then that there would be structural reforms put in place which never happened several reports demanded these including the international assessment of agricultural science technology and development almost 10 years ago and nothing has happened several since then but not only that there is an ongoing perpetual crisis of hunger almost every year over 2 billion people are moderately or severely food insecure at the moment we have almost 3 billion people who cannot afford a really healthy diet although we have continuously been producing enough food on paper to feed everybody an adequate diet hunger has been on the rise since 2015 and we have never managed to really address in a serious way this global crisis of hunger and that's because we are living in a situation where the neoliberal market led global food system has become the dominant food system even since the 70s and 80s 
which has been pushed onto the majority of the world along with the kind of green revolution technologies which are really focused on a few crops monocultures backed by kind of industrial food production and it's left us in a situation where many many countries that used to be self sufficient in growing their food over the last 20 30 years since the 80s have become dependent on imports and those imports are just from a handful of countries and on top of that our entire food system is extremely dependent on energy and and fossil fuels because of the industrial nature of food production it depended on inputs so it means that when you have even a kind of mild crisis that strikes for example the russian invasion it kind of really highlights the problems with this food system because about 30 countries are dependent on russia and ukraine for at least 30% of their wheat imports so both those countries are huge exporters of wheat but also of fertilizer in eastern africa about a third of cereal consumption is just from wheat products and 84% is imported mainly from these two countries and you've got to ask wheat is not a historical food that was consumed in africa they have many many other staple crops that they used to and they can produce there so it's kind of tells the story of what has happened to our global food system where the whole world has become dependent on a handful of staple crops and all this is happening while there is increasing kind of corporate concentration and stranglehold of the food system where there are oligopolies which means just about four firms are controlling more than 70% across the whole sector you know across seeds across pesticides across the grain trade and the grain trade has been highlighted because during the food crisis in in 2021 since since covid started these big four grain traders have seen some of the largest profits that they have ever reported happen in the last 2 years and of course we know that there are 62 new food billionaires that have been created in the industry since the outbreak of the covid-19 pandemic so it kind of tells you the story of our food system that is really geared not towards feeding people it's geared towards producing agro commodities things like animal feed palm oil for cosmetics and the industrial food sector for profits and we know that a lot of the rises in food prices are not just because of supply and demand they because of things like speculation because food commodities are a huge area of speculation from the financial sector and also from hoarding and also of course because they track very much the price of energy and fossil fuels which are going up again because russia is a huge producer of gas So it's a very multi-layered structural story there are many many other complexities within the food system the fact that it creates rural poverty and hunger uh, vast numbers of people who don't get paid a fair income who have their workers rights violated where women of course face the highest levels of hunger when hunger strikes because they tend to feed themselves last and the other families first There are lots of different entrenched inequalities that we will have to break if we are really going to address the food crisis. So it's a very long and complicated situation, but I think the solutions are there, but they are structural and systemic solutions. We will not address this food crisis as we didn't the crises of 2008 and 2011 just by providing emergency support and not really restructuring the whole system in front of this uh, scenario kirtana it could be nice to know more about 
the answers. So I would like to ask you what policy proposals are Friends of the S International and other civil society groups bringing to the table at the CFS this week? Uh, what is the answer then to this global food crisis? What is very interesting to see is that during the COVID-19 pandemic, you saw, although by and large, There was a huge failure on behalf of all governments and global institutions of how they dealt with the pandemic. There were some kind of small and meek measures that showed what can happen if they took it seriously. For example, universal school meal provision, uh, topping up workers' pay to eradicate poverty. You know, poverty is a huge driver of people not being able to access food. I think the problem is not that we don't have solutions. The problem is, of course, as usual, whether there is the will to confront this kind of ideological adherence to neoliberalism in the food system, the lack of market regulation and the lack of investment in public services or the belief that, you know, people should have adequate public services and public spending and regulations within the food system. Obviously, we're facing a crisis, a massive crisis just at the moment. So we need immediate measures. And, you know, some of that is happening, the provision of humanitarian support. But we need humanitarian support that actually is culturally appropriate and that supports institutions, solidarity programs, small-scale food producers that are existing in the local countries that don't become, you know, dumping for industrial products and, you know, supermarket food surpluses onto local communities. And we saw a lot of this during the pandemic. So the broader point being that all kinds of emergency immediate measures have to be thinking about the long term as well, should not undercut our ability to deal with the crisis in the long term. There are several other things that have not been discussed. An important issue would be to regulate and stop speculation on food commodities immediately, strengthen the powers of financial regulatory authorities to stop this. A hugely important one would be an immediate cancellation of illegitimate debt. You can see that countries like in Ethiopia, for example, are spending kind of double on debt servicing as they did on health during the COVID-19 pandemic. And Ethiopia is now identified as a hunger hotspot country. There are dozens of countries which are verging on a debt crisis. And it means that they can have no money to spend, in fact, on public services or social protection during the food crisis. There are other issues such as the moratorium on agricultural commodities for non-food purposes, so to stop agrofuel production. And another immediate measure is to really to start to tax this kind of extreme wealth creation, corporate wealth, to fund some of the social policies that we need, especially in these times of crisis. And there's been huge profits. People talk about, you know, super profits in the fossil fuel sector, but it's not at all limited to the fossil fuel sector. We see super profits in all the corporate sectors, including food corporations and agribusinesses. In the longer term, there are several things that would help us through this. The first important thing is to really to break this food import dependency and really have a long-term plan to support countries to regain their self-sufficiency in domestic food provisioning. And that needs a whole host of measures which already exist, better investment in local infrastructure, things like, you know, not allowing trade regimes to overrule or supersede the right to food. So they have things to allow things like import tariffs and we would really need to confront the WTO policies and also put in place yeah, policies to enable small scale food producers to do that. The second thing would be to really 
go for implementing food sovereignty, but also limit corporate power and transform trade rules in the trade regime. So that means things like addressing corporate concentration, stopping illegitimate trade deals, not allowing agriculture to be subject to the WTO, remove it from the WTO, and really completely overhaul you know the way that the WTO works so that the right to food uh, kind of supersedes the need to have these trade and investment rules. Under these, there are several, you know, we have details of the different kind of policy measures, but important ones would be, again, you know, to kind of implement some of the important UN conventions that have been passed in the recent past, the UN DROP, the UN Declaration on the Rights of Peasants and People in Rural Areas, the UN Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples, CEDAW, the Rights of Women, to guarantee access to territories and natural resources for small-scale food producers. The last thing really is a kind of governance issue which we're demanding, which is the CFS as a multilateral forum to really step up to ensure that it's implementing human rights and confront this kind of crisis that we see in multilateralism today, where it is, you know, all the forums that we are seeing seem to be unable to kind of rise up and confront the few handfuls of really powerful countries, which are the homes of the big agribusiness corporations, which are exporters of global agro-commodities, which are trying to stifle any attempts by the developing world to really have their say on what they need to do to transform and regain food self-sufficiency and to really have a genuine multilateral one government one vote where everyone has a say which listens to the voice of those most affected rather than corporate lobbying to really step up to that task the world committee on food security is a place that has a long history of being able to do this it has a very well established expert body, the high-level panel of experts who can provide evidence. And very importantly, it has us, the civil society and indigenous peoples mechanism, which really roots it in the grassroots realities of what people need to see happen. And this is the space where that discussion needs to happen. Okay, it was Kirtana Chandrasekharan. She is the co-coordinator of the Food Sovereignty Program of Friends of the Earth International. Kirtana was reminding the role of Friends of the Earth International and other civil society organizations, the civil society and indigenous people's mechanism on what will be the 50th session of the Committee on World Food Security, which is being held from today until the 13th of October. Thank you very much, Kirtana. Thank you. Very nice to be here. Real World Radio, broadcasting free words, building popular communications by FOI.